0: In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. may be seated. Luke chapter 2 verse 21 says, and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Uh, just a few comments on this gospel lesson. Uh, you might have noticed that this is just one verse. This is the shortest lesson uh, in the church here, in the lectionary. Uh, this, is, this day is also uh, considered a secondary feast day. Uh, so a primary feast day something like Christmas and Easter, which uh, trumps everything else on those days. Um, a secondary feast day would be something like the circumcision uh, or the name of Christ. Um, uh, the saint days, things like this, and those trump the ordinary Sunday. So it's not as important as Christmas and Easter, but it is more important than the regular Sunday. And so that's why we're observing it here today. Uh, The third comment I want to make here is that this text actually happens in real time. Christ is born on December 25th, and then eight days later... Christ is then circumcised and given his name, which is in real time. That's today. Uh, This happens twice in the uh, lectionary in the church here. It happens again in Easter. Uh, But for today, I want to focus on these two things briefly on circumcision and then uh, focus a little bit more on uh, the name of Jesus. Galatians 4 uh, verse 4 says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. The teaching here is that Jesus was born twice. We see this. The, the text uses the word born twice, two times. Once in a physical way, and a second time in a spiritual way, or an office, or a role. Uh, when he was born of a woman, that is referring to Christmas. When he is born under the law, that is referring to today. That is referring to this moment, his circumcision and his name. That these births taken together tell us both the person, who Jesus is, that he's uh, fully God and yet fully man. Uh, that they tell us who he is and also what he came to do. That's what this birth is about. Um, It teaches us that the purpose of Christmas is this. The purpose of Christ's incarnation is that he was born to bear the law. He was born under the law to redeem those, to redeem those who were under the law as well. So Jesus' circumcision is a sign. And when we see it, it is a sign that he will take the load and the burden of all of the law of God for us. Today, we see Jesus take on the responsibility to do everything that the Bible says you ought to do. Everything that God himself commands and demands of a human being, Jesus today says, I will take it on. And he does it. That means all 10 commandments, he will do them. All, and every rite and ceremony in the scriptures, he will do them. And he will do it not just outwardly, but in thought, in word, indeed, even his desires, his impulses, he will control them and his thoughts. There's a misconception about Jesus <clears throat> that Jesus was some sort of rebel, right? That his uh, face is kind of printed on, on T-shirts and pictures and flags, like he's a revolutionary, he's a rebel, he's a rogue, he played by his own rules, he was against the establishment of the Pharisees, things like this. The reality is that Jesus came to live by not his own rules, but by God's rules. He came to be obedient. He was a rule follower. So when he's disobeying what the Pharisees said, he's actually obeying what God had said. He's not disobeying God. He's not doing away with the, with the, the, the Old Testament law. Uh, this means that if the Bible, if God in the Scriptures prescribes and demands that a child, a male child at eight days ought to be circumcised, well, then Jesus would do what? He would be circumcised on the eighth day. If the Scriptures declare and command that you ought to pray without ceasing, then what would Jesus do? Pray without ceasing. And if it is to go to church then he would not skip once. If it is to have a pure heart, then he would have a pure heart. If it is to love, then he would love even his enemies, even when they mock him and spit in his face and murder him, he would love them. And with his dying breath, he would forgive their sins. Not holding a grudge in his heart. That is the law. That is what God requires. And that's what Christ does. What what we call here, what we call this is the active obedience of Christ. These are the works that Jesus does. There's another type of obedience that Christ endures and and fulfills, which is the passive obedience, which is the suffering, the things that happen to him. But uh, today we're talking about the active obedience of Christ. And the purpose of his obedience is this. It's not chiefly To show you how to live a perfect life. But chiefly to live a perfect life for you. In your place for your salvation. He did not come to be an example only. He came to be the savior. And the way he could do this, the only way he could accomplish this is by taking on flesh himself and doing uh, everything that needs to be done. And then crediting it to you as if you had done it. Attributing it to you. So I want to get onto the circumcision and the name of Jesus. So God commanded his people since the days of Abraham, since Abraham himself, to circumcise all of the male uh, little children on the eighth day. And it wasn't simply to circumcise them on the eighth day, which was a sign that the promised Messiah was going to come through this lineage, but it was also to publicly name the child on that day in the presence of the church. So nobody would know the name of the child until they were about to circumcise the baby. And then they say, well, what is the the baby's name? And then they would declare it publicly to the entire congregation. This baby's name is this. That's what Mary and Joseph did. And then we see something unique happen already here. When a baby is born, every parent names his child, but not here, not today. Jesus didn't get his name from his parents. He got his name from the angel. It was given to them by the angel and it was given to the angel by God, which means that Jesus named himself. He gave himself his own name. He's the only child to do this, the only infant. To do this Now, the question is, why Jesus? Why that name? What, uh, he could have picked any name. He could have picked John or Samuel or Adam or Bob or something like this. Anything, he could have picked any name. But he chose Jesus. Why? Why that name specifically? He, well, he chose it for a specific reason, and there's a purpose he has in mind. Matthew 1.20 tells us, it says, You shall call his name Jesus for... Because he will save his people from their sins. Okay. Well, how does that make sense? What, what, what's the connection between the two? Between Jesus and God saving his people from their sins? What, what's the significance of that? What's the basis for such a name? Um, well, to know why he picked Jesus, why God picked his own name, and he picked Jesus above all names, you need to know what Jesus means. Names mean things, we don't just pick names because they sound nice to us. We pick names because of what they mean, what they signify. The meaning of Jesus is this. Jesus is a Greek word. Uh, in, in Greek, it would, it would sound like this. Jesus or something like Yeshua or Joshua, what we have today. And the word Joshua, the name Joshua is taken from two other words in Hebrew. Two Hebrew words. It's Yah and Shua. Yah is short for Yahweh. It's a shorthand, an abbreviation of the name of God. Yahweh, the proper name of God. This isn't just, it's not Elohim. It's not God. It is Yahweh. This is his name. It says, uh, Moses says, who do I tell the people uh, sent me? And he says, Yahweh sent you. Jesus again says this in John 8. Uh, I am Before Abraham was, I am. That's Yahweh. So Yah is short for Yahweh. And Shua simply means save in Hebrew. In other words, Jesus means Yahweh saves. And this is remarkable. This is the most beautiful thing. Um, Gabriel tells Joseph, that little baby in your fiance's womb You're going to call him Yahweh. You're going to call him, sorry, you're going to call him Jesus. You're going to call him Yahweh saves because he will save his people from their sins. Okay, now the question is, well, who's the he here? Who's the he that he's referring to? Well, Yahweh will save his people. Is it that Yahweh will save his people from their sins or that the baby will save Yahweh's people from their sins? Which is it? Who is going to do the saving? Is it the baby or is it Yahweh? Because now there's a confusion here. Well, the answer is yes, both. Both. Yahweh will save his people from their sins. And this little baby will save God's people from their sins because this little baby is Yahweh. Joseph would have understood this right away. Mary and Joseph, this would have sent shivers down their spines to realize what was happening here. Um, Isaiah chapter 7, 14. This is the scriptures fulfilled. It says, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Not in some vague, nebulous sense, but God is with us. He is here in Mary's womb. So that is why... Uh, that, that is the meaning of the name of Jesus. He saves. And the connection between his circumcision and his naming is this, that Yahweh saves us by being born of a woman and being born under the law to save us and redeem us. Uh, this is the way he saves. This is what the Lord has promised long ago. Back in Genesis chapter 3, he promised that he would send a seed of the woman who would come to crush the head of the serpent and save you from your sins, to deliver you from hell, from going to hell that you and I rightfully deserve. We justly deserve to burn in hell forever. And yet Jesus came, God himself, Yahweh came into the flesh and saved us. He redeemed us from that. So with this knowledge, I want you to know that this isn't just some interesting point on the name of Jesus. It's not just trivia to consider this day, but it is deeply practical and it is important and it is good for you to know. I have a few points here. The first is this. Romans 10, 13 says, Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not just saying the name of the Lord. It's not just the sound or the syllables of the name. But to call upon the name of the Lord means to trust in the Lord. To call upon him, to depend upon him, to rely upon him. But what is the name of the Lord? The name of the Lord is Jesus who, that was revealed to us. To confess That Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is the one true God in flesh to depend upon what he did in that flesh. To look at him, to look at Jesus, to not conceive of God apart from Jesus, to say that Jesus was born, he lived, he suffered and died and resurrected for us for the forgiveness of our sins. That is how he redeems us. So salvation is to call upon not other gods, other religions or teachings. It's not to call upon yourself or upon your own name or upon your own good works. It is to depend upon nothing else but Christ not even yourself, only Christ, only his name, to say the name of Jesus and what it means that God, that is God, when you see him in the manger, you say, that is God saving me. When you see him uh, on on the way to the cross, you say, that is God walking to the cross. When you see him on the cross, that is God on the cross and he is saving me. The second point is this, that you see now, you see now how beautiful and precious and holy the name of Jesus is this is the most remarkable the most exciting and beautiful thing we could consider and how precious this name is so don't don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain don't misuse the name of the Lord your God Jesus means everything to us. The name of Jesus is our salvation. When we call upon him, we are saved. So don't use his name to, to damn things or to curse or to say Jesus Christ when you're surprised or when you're angry. or to, say, to, to make exclamations like, oh my God, taking his name. He gave his name to us, not so that we would curse and swear by it, but that we would be blessed and that we'd bless others with his name. If you have a habit of doing this, <clears throat> I guess while people are making resolutions this today, uh, repent and don't use his name in vain. Uh, don't, also, don't support false doctrine. Don't support charities that distort the name of Jesus or things that use his name for financial gain. Don't do it. It's not worth your time or your effort. They, they, they don't deserve that. Go, support the things that preach Christ and him crucified purely, uh, beautifully. Support those things. Okay, the third thing is this. I just told you not to use, uh, to misuse his name. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean don't use it at all. In fact, use it. Use his name in the right way call upon him in every single trouble. You pray, you praise, and you give thanks to God with this name. So don't ascribe what God does to things like luck, or like chance, or coincidence, or to karma, which doesn't exist. God exists. Acknowledge him. Thank him. Praise him, his name. So when something good happens, let his name be upon your lips in a good way, in the right way, in a holy way. So when something good happens, then exclaim that God be praised or praise God for this. If something bad happens, then say, Lord, have mercy. Call upon him. You say this every single Sunday. You cry out the Kyrie. When you're saying farewell to someone, to ask that God would bless them. Pray with them. Say, God bless you. When you're eating, pray with your family. Don't let, them, don't let your children touch their food before they thank the God who gave it to them. Teach them to acknowledge the God who loves them, who gave himself for them. Before you go to bed at night, when you wake up in the morning, have God's name be the first name in your lips. The fourth thing is this. <clears throat> the best way, the best way to call upon the name of God is to come to church and to keep coming to church as you have done here today. Don't fall into the soul destroying habit of skipping church, of staying away, of going a long time without singing hymns and praises to God, of not saying the creed, of not repenting, and so on and so forth. Don't stay away from the Lord's Supper for so long. It is bad for you. It is not good for your soul. Uh, I I just want to give a brief warning here. I cannot tell you how many called upon the name of Jesus, but no longer do, no longer call upon him. They called upon him last year, and somewhere along the way they stopped, and will not this year. Don't let this happen to you. Don't. You've, you, in, in fact, uh, some encouragement, you have started the year perfectly. Very, very well this day. The very first day of the year, you are here in church hearing his word and you're about to receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. Keep it up. You have 51, 51 more Sundays to go. Just keep it up. Uh, what you should do is this. Go to where Jesus' name is preached. Where it's preached rightly. Uh, We have a beautiful sanctuary just a month or two away. Uh, Be here. We're here every single Sunday. Make church your priority. Sunday isn't the end of the week. Don't try to fit in Sunday in your week at the very end. Make it the beginning. It is the start of the week. Fit in everything else at the rest of the week. You have 99% of your time to fill in your schedule, but not Sunday. Keep it sacred. Keep it off limits. Uh, Keep it only for church. Plan your week afterward. Okay, those are the points, uh, just four practical points for you to um, consider and take with you this year. And in closing, I want to say that God revealed his name to you for a specific purpose so that you would know what kind of God you have, so that you would know what to call him, that you wouldn't be guessing about who he is and that you would call upon him in every trouble and that you would pray and praise and give thanks. That this is the name that God has given to you, this name and this God redeems you. He saves you from your sins. He took on flesh to redeem you, to wipe away your sins, to give you a clean slate each and every day in his blood. He did what you and I could never do in a thousand years. He, ha- he rendered perfect obedience even obedient unto death upon a cross. God not only revealed his name to you, but he gave you his name also. In baptism, he gave you his name. He, at the end of the service, he's going to give you his name again. He, you have the name of Christian. You bear the name of Christ. That is what you are called. That is how he sees you. You have the name of the one who loved you and saved you and gave all he had for you. So may God bless you this new year and give you faith to call upon his name always in this life and unto the next. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.